get pretty busy but not be worshiping. You got it? We can be coming to church and we can be doing ministry and we can be tithing and we can be doing this and we can be doing that. Listen, God God wants our ministry. God wants our service and that's all part of it. But listen to me. God wants our worship. He wants us to be a sweet fragrance unto him. All right, let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of um, Exodus, Exodus chapter 33. And we've been looking, uh, we're, we're on our current series, and we're talking about worship. And so last week we talked about the importance of worship. And so the question was asked last week, and we want to ask that question again, please, this morning is, worship, do you do it when you come here? Do you do it when you come here? Now last week we looked in John chapter 4, and we saw that text, and it was, the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers, we underline that word, true worshipers, and that's the theme of that whole text. And it says, shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the, Father, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. The Father seeks us, us Christians, to worship Him. So the question is, is do we do it when we come? Now remember, worship is important for many reasons. Number one, we looked at it last week is because it's, it, it's scriptural, right? Everybody say amen. It's scriptural. Now, we need to get hold of this middle group here and see where they're at, okay? They're all gone this morning. I know some are sick and everything, but we need to really get hold of those guys and scold them, scold them a little bit, okay? Just kidding around, don't do that. But number two is that um, life is affected. All of life is affected by worship. Brother David, can we get some air flowing in here, please? Um, a lot of people are fanning themselves. Everybody was hot before the services start, and now we're all burning up. That's just how it works. You just can't make a bunch of Baptists happy, can you? No, you can't. But uh, so secondly is that uh, really and truthfully, worship is, uh, of all of life is affected by it. Thirdly, it, it's really a major theme of redemptive history. You look back in history, and, and, and worship was part of redemption. After redemption, we always know that worship was there. And then fourthly, it is commanded. It's commanded of all born-again believers to worship the one and true living God. That's our responsibility. Everybody say amen. Now, did you know that George Barnes surveyed thousands and thousands of church-going Christians? And the question was asked, have you ever experienced God in a worship service? Only one-third of those people surveyed could say they did. Now remember, we said last week that worship is honored, paid to a superior being. Now, I, I know what that definition makes my skin kind of crawl a little bit when I use the word worship and superior being. I mean, when I think of worship, I, I think of holiness. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, I certainly do. But, but, but worship happens, and we said it last week, that, that we as people... Worship is innate in us. And we understand that even in Scripture, we see that people worship idols. We see that people worship different things. But the thing that makes worship holy is that when we worship God himself, that's what makes worship holy. It's when we separate ourselves to give this worship to him. So worship is giving is giving that to it, that superior being given to God, but when that word is used, um, honor, when that word honor is used as a verb, it means um, regard with great expect, with great respect. Now follow me here. So worship is honor paid, and so honor, when used as a verb, means to regard with great respect. It means to fulfill an obligation for keeping an agreement. That's what that means, that word honor, when it's used as a verb. And, of course, worship is showing honor to that superior being, which we're talking about God. Now, worship in itself is universal and is only holy, again, when we worship deity. And there's only one true deity, and his name is God. His name is Jesus Christ. They're one person. Everybody, amen? Now, I say all that because we all know how to worship, and the question is, is do we do it when we come? We all really know what worship is. I mean, when we talk about regarding with great respect, 
and fulfill an obligation or, or keep an agreement, when we're saying honoring paid to God, we really truthfully know what that means. I mean, I have a granddaughter now, and her name is Bristol. And I know what that means because when it comes to Bristol, I honor her. I mean, what she wants, Papa's going to get, right? Uh, right? Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, to, to make this sacrilegious or anything, but I'm just saying that, that we know we know what worship is. I mean, when, when Allison um, calls and says, and says, hey, Dad, Bristol's at the daycare and I can't get by in time, yeah, I'm going to go get her. You know, I'm her Papa. And, and I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, re, I re, she's a granddaughter. Boy, I just love her so much. And I'm going to do everything I can to show her that I love her and that as a grandfather, you know, I'm, I got this, I had this obligation, right? You know, and I'm going to, I'm going to give to her and do for her and put into her as, 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 as grandfather does. Hey, listen to me. Now, I, I don't worship Bristol as a deity, but you see there's some honoring there. And here's the whole thing that I want us to draw us in this morning about this whole thing about worship and the importance of it and what it is. Is that is that how you worship God? When when we come here to Cornerstone Baptist Church, is, is that what we come to do is to honor, to, to pay respect, to lift up, to give ourselves to a holy and immaculate and, and, and perfect God? Is that why you come here? Is that what you're doing when you come here? The Bible says, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, and we, we saw that last week, but the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. You, you hear that? For that is your, King James says, reasonable service and that very those very two words means spiritual worship we're to we're to give ourselves to a holy god we're to present our bodies to him we're to honor him with ourselves that's what worship is the bible says that god is looking for such worshipers he's looking for an acceptable worship and so the whole question is is that is that what you do when you come here now that's the importance of worship. Now, let's go to point number two in our series, and that is the presence. The presence. The presence of God in worship. The presence of worship. When we worship God, whether it's on our own or in church, we come with an agenda. We should. We come here to meet with God. And as, as, and as, as, and as important as this is, we need, to, we need to remember this. God has an agenda as well, and that's to meet with us. See? If worship is about encountering the presence of God, the simple question is raised, is it God's presence always with us? Right? Now, so... Number one, uh, notice the realities to God's presence. Now, <laughs> I tell you what, church, um, it is so sobering, it is so, it is so incredible to think that no matter where I am or where I can go, that the presence of God is with me. We talk about this doctrine of, of omnipresence, and that's one of the characteristics of God. He is omnipresence. I mean, you talk about something that should blow you away. That blows me away. Can you imagine that? God is always around. God is always about. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere, all the time, anywhere. I was thinking, and I was about Psalms, the book of Psalms in chapter 139, verse 8, it says, the psalmist says, if I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in school, you are there. No matter where you go, God's going to be there. Give the Lord a hand, will you? Hey, God's going to be there. Now, we cannot, we cannot escape the presence of God. Sometimes we're blind to it, but never for a minute think that God's presence is not with us. Never, don't you even doubt that for a minute. Even when you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, don't you ever doubt that God isn't right there where you can contact him and love on him and he can love. Don't you think for a minute that the presence of God is not around. He's everywhere all the time. He's omnipresent. 
He doesn't like sin. Don't get me wrong. But he is, he is everywhere all the time. That's our God. God promised Moses, look with me in, at, at Exodus. And let's read our text together before I get too far ahead of myself. I believe this text shows us some incredible things in this very familiar text. And it's Exodus chapter 33. And, and uh, it's where Moses has an encounter with God. But we see here the presence of God. And, and we'll look at the New Testament and we'll talk about the presence of God. But, but, but here's the thing I want us to see. So when we come here to Cornerstone, we come here to worship as a family of believers. Is it the same presence that we have all the time with God? Or is there some, what, what's different about corporate worship than just, just, just our daily walk with God? What's the difference? Is there a difference? You better believe there's a difference. And it's why God instituted, one of the, God instituted the church for us to be a lighthouse. But this is a time, like we said last week, for God to meet us in a very special way when we come together corporately. Now, I want us to notice a couple of things here in Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 17. Now it says, the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, God said, for no man can see me and live. And then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on that rock, and it shall come about while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and come over you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. God promised Moses in verse 14, and we didn't read that, but he said, My presence will go with you. Go back, to, go back to verse 12. Because I left that off and I apologize. It says, Then Moses said to the Lord, um, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but yourself have not let me know whom you will send with, with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, God said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people is not by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth. So again, we see that God promised Moses, he says, my presence will go with you. Look, we are promised in the gospel that very same thing. Everybody say amen. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. Isn't that good? I mean, we're talking about the presence of God here. I will never leave thee or forsake thee. He says, I will be with you even until the ends of the world. I mean, that's God's promise to us. And just as he promised Moses here, he promises us the same thing in the New Testament. Now, follow me here on this because I want you to see something that's very important for you to understand corporate worship. I think now we're all cold. We just can't be happy, Brother David. But just leave it alone. It'll be okay. But um, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, it says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among you. Right? Now, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, it says, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Is that a contradiction? He's saying... In chapter 18, he says, when two or three or more gather together in my name, I will be with you. 
But then he says in chapter 28, verse 20, and of course it's all over the Bible, he says, I'm with you always. So is that a contradiction? Why the difference here? Why would Jesus promise to be present conditionally when two or three are present in my name if he also promises to be with us always under any circumstance? Because Jesus is speaking about a different kind of presence than that first passage. Something, listen to me, something more than omnipresence. You know, he's with us all the time. We can't go anywhere where he won't be. But what we see here from this text, and when we're talking about corporate worship, and when we're talking about when believers come together to worship his holy name, what we're seeing here is, is a different kind of presence that God gives us. And this is that very kind of presence that we should all be looking forward to when we come to corporate worship with one another. Hey, when we meet together, God's presence, listen to me, it's revealed as unusual revelation of God's essence in this certain location. Now, some may refer to it as uh, the manifestation of God's presence, but in corporate worship, God desires to remote to remove our blindfolds and give us an extraordinary, breathtaking glimpse of his divine radiance. Now, look, everybody listen to me. I'm 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 a I'm conservative in my theology, but I'm liberal in my spirit. What I'm saying is is, is I'm not some I'm not the Pentecostal preacher up here. But what I'm saying here is that when we talk about the presence of God, understand, please, is that God wants to meet with us. And when we come here to Cornerstone Baptist Church and there's two or three or more of us, there's something more than just the omnipresence of God. We have this doctrine of the manifestation of the Spirit that God wants to reveal himself to us in a more spiritual, a more different way. So what do you do when you come here? And that's the question. God's presence. If you will, go with me to uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Luke chapter 5, and I want to give you an example of this, and I want you to see what we're talking about. We're not talking about cloven tongues and working yourself up into a frenzy. We're talking about worship. We're talking about showing God his weight, giving ourselves to him. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. One day he was teaching, Luke records, he was one of the disciples who followed the Lord, and he said that one day he was teaching, the Lord was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judah and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him perform healing. You see that? It says Luke is recording of what he saw, and he's recording, first of all, that Jesus Christ was there physically. But notice that Luke saw something a little bit different, something something additional there. And he said, he said, the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him, but nothing, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles in his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, and answered and said unto them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, I say unto you, Get up and pick your stretcher and go home. 
verse 25 says, Immediately he got up before them, and he picked up, and he had been he picked up what he'd been laying on, and he went home, look at it, glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment. Look at it. And they began they began glorifying God, and they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen remarkable things today. They were filled with awe when they said, we have seen incredible things today. Listen, Cornerstone, this is the presence we long for in worship. You see it? Luke noticed the power. The present was God's revealed presence. Um, again, follow this. It was God's revealed presence, his manifest presence that healed the paralyzed man that brought Jesus that they brought Jesus to that day. And, and, and notice that they were amazed again, and they glorified God. And that is the presence that we long for in corporate worship. This extra glimpse of, of God we should crave, we want, we need to feel it, we need to sense it, we need to experience it, we need to taste it, we need to touch it. And when we do, like this paralytic, like all those that were there present for this corporate worship service, we will be forever changed. We should ask for it. Now listen, the problem is we get used to not having it. No expectation of it or low expectation. We become satisfied with meeting and not worshiping. We, we, we get satisfied with just some kind of a service where we meet together, but we need to be at a place where we long for and to see the manifest presence of God poured out upon upon his people. And again, we're not talking about cloven tongues. We're not talking about these things and those acts we do, but simply that we come together in the presence of God and we understand that it's there and we allow God to move upon us and to step out and to move into God, to have true worship, to be amazed at what God can do. That's worship. Now, here's the thing, is that, you know, Satan doesn't like that. Everybody say amen. He doesn't like it when people get excited about him. They get excited about what God can do in them and through them. You know, we're starting base. And um, well, I'm looking forward to base. And that's our discipleship program on Sunday nights. I think we have over 90 people signed up for that. Some classes are meeting here at Cornerstone and, and then, of course, some in the, in the homes. But what we're doing is we're focusing on why you know what you know. First, we focus on what what the Bible teaches, but then but then we focus on why we believe what we believe, because we want people to be able to witness and to be that kind of witness to people. And let me tell you something, Satan's not going to like it, and it's not a matter of when or if he's going to do anything or who he's going to do it with, it's when he's going to do it. But look, we, we need to make sure as a church that we hold it, hold together close and we come together in our groups here on Sunday mornings or in our base Bible studies and we worship God and we expect the presence of God to be there with us. We expect God to be there and to expect things from us. That's what worship is and that's all what we're talking about here in these verses. We know there's a presence of God. We know that we can go and that God's with us. We know that. But there's something more for the Christian or for the church when we come together, and that is there is a manifestation of God's Spirit in us and around us and for us. Remember last week we talked about in, in, in the Old Testament where, where, where he says, here's this perfume, and where that perfume is, it's going to be a sweet smell unto my mouth. Remember that? And that's what worship is when we come and we, we, we give ourselves to him as that sacrifice. Everybody say amen. All right, number two. Number two, so we see the presence of worship. Number two is what is needed in worship. Now, let me ask you something. If you could ask God for anything, what would it be? Anybody? If you could ask God for anything, what would it be? Well, I asked that question last night, and let me just share some of the results with you, okay? So, um, Facebook, I asked that question. I said, if you could ask God for anything, what would it be? So, 
I won't say your names, okay? Michael Shahanik, I'm just kidding around. <laughs> he said, good question. He said, it's not an easy one to answer. Another guy said, if I could ask God for anything, I'd ask him to bind Satan in hell forever. Well, he's going to be bound. He's going to be bound, and then he's going to be loose for a while. Then he's going to be, be cast in the lake of fire. But that's what this one guy said that he would ask God for. Another person um, said, I would ask God for peace on earth. Good, I, I like that. But we also know that our Bible says there's never going to be peace on this earth until Jesus comes back and takes reign. Amen, everybody? Okay, so another one said, um, I would ask Jesus if I could please love like Jesus did. That's good, right? Um, I'm not going to read Jesse's because it's like a book, so I'm going to leave that one there. <laughs> Um, another person said, uh, I would be like Philippians 3.10. Another person said, to have faith, I'd, like, I'd, I'd ask God that I could have faith as a grain of mustard seed. That'd be a great thing to ask God, wouldn't it? Now think about in your mind what you would ask God for, okay? okay? Ask, think in your mind what you would ask God for if you, could, if, you, if, you could, if, you, if you knew that you could ask him for one thing, he'd give it to you, okay? Um, John Thompson said that he would ask salvation upon his whole family and then to take them all home together. But until then, he says, there's a lot, a lot of work to be done. Um, another person said, I would ask for grace once more. I'm not sure what that means. Um, another person said, I would ask that there be no more sickness on this earth. Another one said, um, John hit it right on the nose. And for me, too. In other words, it is important for our families to get saved, isn't it, everybody? Another person said, for his will to be done. Uh, and let me just kind of hurry up through here. Another one asked for wisdom. Um, Brother Lloyd, he said, he said, well, you're already giving me everything I need. <laughs> I like that, Lord. Amen. Um, another guy said, for Jesus to be glorified in my life. Um, another one said, good health, financial Financial um, freedom. That's what he would ask God for. Another one said, again, for the loss of my family. And another one said, um, of course, uh, you, don't, you, do not, you may not know, but, but my, my cousin passed away Friday. He was um, less than 40 years old. He died of cancer. And so, so, this, so her brother said for my sister to be back. What would you ask God for if he was right here with us? And you could ask him for something and he would give it to you. Well, you know, in the scripture, there's been quite a few people that's been able to ask God for certain things. And one of those people is right here in this text in Exodus chapter 33, and it's Moses. Moses met with God when he had the opportunity to ask him for anything in the universe. Listen, Moses could have asked God for anything. Right there on that mountain, when Moses met with God, he could have asked for anything. He could have asked for his mother to be brought back to life. He could have asked for great health. He could have asked for money. He could have asked for gold. He could have asked to be this. He could have asked to be that. He could have asked to, to, for, for, for God to take time back and where he didn't kill that Egyptian soldier. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Moses could have asked him anything, but instead, he asked him for two things. Let's see what they are. Number one, in verse 13, he says, teach me your ways. He could have asked God for anything, and what did he ask God for? He says, God, teach me your ways. Exodus chapter 33, verse 13. So, so number one is there that hunger for God, you see. He says, now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your way that, look at it, that I may know you. That's worship. That's worship. That I may know you. That's what worship is. It's, it's progressive, progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with God. It's perceiving and recognizing and understanding more strongly and clearly. And he says, and that I may find favor in your sight. 
Moses wasn't interested in Moses wasn't interested in God's ways just because he desired information. Listen to me close. Moses didn't ask. He didn't hunger because he wanted information. His desire came from a heart of a worshiper that was saying, I want to sign up with you for life, that I'm all in. You know, um, some of the greatest awakenings in the world came from a sense of worship. You go back to the 1800s, in a small church, they gathered together and, and, and they worshiped God, and the Great Awakening happened, and it went all over Europe, and then it came to the United States, because there were worshipers, and they were seeking God, and God was seeking worshipers with acceptable worship. That's how the Great Awakening happened. And you go back into the 70s. I watched that movie Woodlawn last night. Man, that was good. But you go back into the 70s and where Billy Graham had all of his, 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 his campaigns or whatever those things were called, I already forgot. But there was, they call that the Jesus Awakening. Because people came together and they were seeking to worship Almighty God. People got saved and they came to worship and to give themselves, to sacrifice themselves. And that Jesus Awakening happened. Amen? And that's what Moses is wanting here. He's not wanting information. He's saying, I'm here for life. I want to sign up. I'm all in. I, I, he, 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 he's hungry. He says, teach me your ways. He says, I want to walk in eternity with you. He was all in. He was sold out. It wasn't about what Moses wanted. It was about he wanted to know what God had. He wanted, he wanted to know God's ways. It was his way of saying, I want to become more progressively, more intimately acquainted with the living God. He was saying that he wanted to experience God every day of his life. He just didn't want, he just didn't want the facts. Listen, he wanted God. He was talking about a relationship. Moses hungered for God. Moses longed for God. Moses realized that nothing else in the world could compare to the, to the experience of being with God. Moses had a passion. Listen. Moses had a passion for his presence. Now, let me stop just for a minute. And we're just about done. But do you realize that you can experience God's grace without experiencing his presence? Did you know that? His grace is all around. You can have an understanding that Jesus died for your sins and not even have an intimate relationship with him. And Satan can take that information and twist it and make you think you have something that you don't have. Did you know that? You can know the facts and the figures and the dates and times and you'll still not really know the one who loved you first. Sadly, people do it all the time. Our churches are full of them. This room is probably full of those people. They've never experienced his presence that personal relationship with him. Our worship should hunger for God. That's all we're saying. Again, we're not talking about cloven tongue stuff here. We're talking that, that when we when we enter into this place and worship God, that there is a, a hunger. That it's not about our ways. It's not about putting God in a box, but that we're like Moses and that we hunger and thirst for God to know his ways. God, that's what worship is. Is, to, is, is that we're here and we say, it's all, it's all you, Lord, and I empty myself, I present myself to you empty, a, a living sacrifice. And God, show me your ways. God, have your way in my heart, my mind. God, convict me where I need to be. Remember, when we come here for corporate worship, it's not to get anything. If you come here to get, then you're, you're here for the wrong reason. You come here to give. You give yourselves. That's that that's what we call spiritual worship. Is it all coming clear to us now? And I'm a, and again, I, I just believe that we get so used to not we get so used to understanding this omnipresence of God that we don't understand this this presence of worship because we just walk around all day long and we come to church doing the same exact thing. But when we come here, we need to be asking God, God, show me, God, I hunger after you, God, show me your ways. That's what worship is. That's what is a sweet-smelling thing to him. 
It's when we're saying it's not about me, it's not about what I've learned, it's, it's not about subjective truth, but it's about it's about a true relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me tell you what, that is one thing that Cornerstone needs. As your pastor, we needed people to be a people that come here and that we're hungry and thirsty for God's ways, not our ways. And until that happens, nothing's going to happen here. Nothing. We've got to be a people who, who, who want to know God's ways, that we love God's ways, that we want to be progressively more intimate with Him. And again, it's not all about, it's not about music and, and types of music and raising your hand or not raising your hand. It's about what is your heart when you come here? Do you worship God? And again, I'm telling you that across this world, in all these churches, two-thirds of what we do isn't true worship. It's about meeting in a place. Yes, God is omnipresent, but you better expect, you should expect more when you come to God's house when two or three or more are gathered in his name because that's where he wants to show you his glory. We, we seek after God. Again, God, show me your ways. Is that, what, is that what you had in mind when you come here this morning? God, show me your ways. Or is it, God, I'm going to just go through this thing so I can go home and, 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 and do what I got. This is worship. Am I making sense? Number two, look at it. He just didn't ask about God to show him his ways. But notice here, number two, is he had an encounter with God. Moses asked, he said, Lord, please let me see your glory. Okay. So in verse 14, God's presence. In verse 17, show me your ways. And then in verse 18, he said, Lord, please show me your glory. Now that word glory is a lot like the word honor. Um. It's 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 the uh, it's the Hebrew word shabad, and it means heavy and weight. It it means it means honor. It means renown. It means majesty. It means it means visible splendor. The word glory used in this setting is closely related to the presence and face of God. Look, Moses wanted to behold God's face to face. Do you see it? He says, God. I want to have an encounter with you. I want to behold your face, face to face. God, let me see your glory. He was not content with business as usual. When he came into the presence of God, he wanted to see God's glory. Now let's pause again. When we come to church, aren't you just tired of business? Aren't you just tired of life being business as usual? Should we come to God's house and expect something more than business as usual? We should come here just to listen to music. Down to Billy Bob's and listen to something. Don't come here. I expect something different. I expect something that's that's different from business as usual. That's why we come here. Going through the motions, showing up on Sunday after Sunday for worship service and not having your soul stirred. Are you tired of that? You go to work and you get you get get burdened, you get bogged down, you go home, you open up the mailbox, here's the bills. It's not business as usual when we come to God's house and two or three or more together in his name. Amen? You give the Lord a hand. That's fine. And that's, why'd you come here? How did you come here this morning? If you come here just as business as usual, you're not going to worship God. Look, remember, worship is, is that, there's, that there's worshipers to seek God, right? But it's also, we have to remember that God is here seeking worshipers. It's, there, there's, a, there's an agenda. Let's not come here and think it's business as usual. Let's not come here just thinking this is some meeting place and some social gathering place. This is a place that we should come and to seek after God. We not only need to hunger for God, but we need an encounter with God. 
This encounter, this sense of God's supernatural presence transforms worship. Listen, from a duty to a devotion, from a ritual to a relationship, from just another meeting to a holy gathering. That's what this is. This is a holy gathering. I like that. God's attendance in our lives and our experience of him is the essence of real worship. All those things I read on my Facebook that I asked that question, if if you could ask God for one thing, what would it be? Finances, um, health, you know, my, my cousin that his sister died Friday and just want her to come back and to be healthy. For the rapture to happen, for my family to be saved. I'm here to tell you that if we get serious about what truly worship is, and understand what worship is, that all those things will be taken care of because of your worship. Because you see, your family that you care about that's not saved, you have such a burden in knowing God's ways and a passion about Jesus Christ that you're going to witness to them. You're going to see the gospel lived out in front of them and they're going to get saved. I'm telling you straight up. The health issues and the rapture happening, get me out of this trouble. God will give you peace that will pass all understanding. Those things won't matter anymore because of the worship in your life. Look, you can have worship. Some of the best worship services I ever had was when I when there was a few people involved, me and God. I remember them well. And I tell you, I, I love those worship services. But I'm telling you something. I'm telling you something. In the name of Jesus Christ this morning, that there's something about it when two or three or more are gathered in his name. If you come and you seek after him, Look, if we come to church on Sunday mornings and we understand that this is not a service, this is not just some kind of a meeting place, but this is a place where we're, we're meeting the great God and we come prepared and ready to give ourselves a living sacrifice. And we know that God's going to meet us and we're wanting to know God's ways and we want to see God's glory. If those are what we're asking for, if that's how we're preparing ourselves to come, God will do some great things in your life. And all those other things that burdened you down, they won't be heavy no more because God will give you peace that passes all understanding. He'll give you strength. He'll give you anointing that you never had. That's what worship does. You see, again, we don't do victory laps, but we do come here expecting God to do great and miraculous and beautiful things. Amen, everybody? That's worship. That's worship. That's worship. Don't come here and expect business as usual, going through the motion. That's not worship. Come here with your hearts seeking and wanting to know God's ways and wanting to see him face to face. And he will do show himself to you just like he showed Moses. Just like he showed Moses. Lastly, I want to, I want to give you this to take home, please. Um, what do we need to do? Here's five simple but life-changing things that we should do. Because if you're like me, at one point in your life, you was used to doing something one way. (laughs) But there's more than worship than just showing up and going home. There are five simple things that God wants us to do to prepare ourselves for the presence and the worship. Number one, write it down. Anticipate God's revealed presence in worship. Expect Him. Long for Him. Long for Him. And expect Him to show up in a personal way in your life during worship. Number two is look for God's hand at work in worship. Look for God's hand at work in worship. Number three, listen for God's voice. Number four, Open yourself up to new manifestations of God's presence. Again, we're not talking weird, weird under theology here, but we're simply talking about you've got to be looking for God and how he's showing himself to you. Number five is be sensitive to the leadership of the, of the Holy Spirit as he leads you and as you go through life. You do those five things, and you'll see that manifestation in that worship. When you search for God in his ways, and you look for his glory, you want to see his glory, he will bring it to pass in front of you just like he did Moses. One worship leader wrote this, and he said, 
he said that he does a lot of traveling and witnessing. He's a composer as well as a worship leader. But he said that in all of his travels, he's, he, you know, he'll get and he'll and he'll talk to people about um, um, their their faith in Jesus Christ, and and sometimes they would reply. And a lot of times they reply and they would say things like, "Well, you know, I've been to church, but you know, I just didn't get anything out of it. I could do just as much." At home, that I get out of church. Well, you know, unfortunately, a lot. You know, I just I won't go there. But you know, that's a dead church, or that person is not looking for the right thing. They didn't come looking to have a worship experience with God. Amen, everybody. So they would just a lot of them would just say, you know, um, I could just get just as much on my own. But let me just say this, and this is what this guy says in his little in his in his um, article that he wrote. He says, no one has ever said, um, oh, but I've never had anybody look me in the eye and say, you know, I've experienced the presence of God, and quite honestly, I don't want it. No one has ever said that to me, he says, because people who experience the real presence of God are changed from the ordinary. They want more of them. A.W. Tozer wrote this. He said, the world is perishing for lack of the knowledge of God, and the church is famishing for want of his presence. The instant cure of most of our religious ills would be to enter the presence and spiritual experience. We become suddenly aware that we are in God and that God is in us. This would lift us out of the pitiful narrowness and cause our hearts to be enlarged and to seek that one true God is The importance of worship. God commands it. It's scriptural. It's in part of every fabric of all creation. But the presence of worship, God seeks us, and we seek God. And we come to ask Him for those two things every Sunday morning. God, show me your ways, and God, show me your glory. We present ourselves a living sacrifice. That's our spiritual worship. Amen? Bow our heads, please. Lord, we come to you this morning, and we're thanking you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, maybe um, there are some this morning that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Maybe they know some facts. Maybe they know some dates. But as we read and spoke about, Lord, they never had that experience with you. That where they surrender themselves and present their bodies a living sacrifice to you, that they that they 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 acknowledge you as the Lord and Savior, and that they that they repented of their sins and called upon you. Because, Lord, that's the first worship service we're ever going to have. Lord, perhaps there's some here this morning that's like that, and we pray in Jesus' name that you'll call them right now, that you'll just convict their hearts, that you'll, that you'll make known your presence to them this morning, Lord, and that they'll come to this altar and they'll do that, and they'll present themselves that first, that living sacrifice. God, I pray for all the rest of us that's just, that's just, I hope, tired of business as usual. Come, go, come, go, without ever experiencing you. But Lord, that we know through your word this morning that worship this time, this church service, is about you meeting us and us meeting you. Lord, I pray this morning that um, that we take advantage of that that we'll use this altar and not leave here the same way that we came, but that we come here and we've experienced God, um, a spiritual manifestation, if you will, Lord, of working and giving us clarity and giving us input into our minds and to our hearts. God, I pray this morning that you'll have your way with all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody stand, please, with me.
Moses asked, every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Moses asked God for two things. Teach me your ways. Not my ways. He said, I pray you. If I have found favor in your sight, show me your way that I may know you. Then he asked God to show him his glory. God, just show me your weight. Show me what kind of treasure you are. Lord, for all forever be changed. Maybe those are some questions you need to come to this altar and ask him. And say, God, show me your ways. I'm tired of my ways. I'm tired of business as usual. Maybe it's God, show me your glory. God, I want to walk out of here different. I want to be touched by you. If that's you, you come. As the music starts to play, you come. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, oh, will you please come? The Bible says it's for God's will that all to be saved, that none should perish and go to, to go to hell. That's God's, that's God's, you know that's God's will. If he's tugging at your heart this morning, please come and let, let me, let one of us, walk you through that path of that first worship service with God himself. You know that story in Luke chapter 5, Well, just brought this to my mind, I want to be obedient to God's spirit. But that paralyzed man went home chained. Chained in more than one way. Forever you never hear anything more about him but you know when you meet Jesus and you have a worship experience with him oh you'll be just like that paralyzed man you'll be changed you'll be changed forever you come please as the Lord leads please come